What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My name is Adam. I'll be the host here on Hobby Hotline for episode 236. We've got some great topics here. We also have Danny Black from Baltimore or Sports Baltimore Collectibles. I just a little bit gets a little bit jumbled there. And then also Hobby News Daily. Danny, how we doing? Fantastic. Thanks for uh, hosting today. Absolutely. Then we also have Uncle Rich Klein. Uh, how are we doing today, Uncle Rich? Well, we're battling the cold, so. I was really hoping Newman was going to be on tonight because then I wouldn't have to say a word. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the what looks like the WWE champion. Uh, we got WrestleMania coming up. I think it's today and tomorrow. We got uh, Brody the Kid. Brody, how are we doing today? Awesome. It's WrestleMania week, and I'm doing great. I'm going to put this down because my shoulder is going to be tired, but I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, WrestleMania, always an exciting time. And if you are a wrestling fan, you know, I think we've got like Sami Zayn versus uh, or the Usos and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. It's going to be a ton of great matchups in WWE. Not This isn't a WWE show, unfortunately, but, you know, maybe at the end of the show, we'll touch on it a little bit. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to everybody in the comments. Let us know where you are watching today's show from. We would definitely appreciate that. Um, let's see. First topic on the agenda today. We have opening day and the new tops patch. So definitely exciting oh, opening go. day news. Oh, we got another WWE champion in the house here. Uncle Rich as well. All the champs, all the champs are uh, down, down below. Adam, I guess you know, <laughs> I got to challenge, challenge them for the belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. So we had we had uh, opening day in baseball. Obviously, a uh, you know very exciting, very exciting time of the year. We got baseball. We got uh, NCAA tournament as well. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys watched the uh, Final Four last night. We had LSU beating Virginia Tech, and then we had Caitlin Clark, who looks like is like the next coming of you know Steph Curry in the potential WNBA in the next few years. Back to back forty point games. I mean, that's massive. So I mean, I'm going to start with, with you, Danny. So opening day for you what did that look like how was it what'd you think opening day is a national holiday um i love the format of all the teams opening on the same day this year i know that's a change i think the first time in, in you know since 1962 maybe um but whatever it is it's been a long time um i enjoyed the format of games starting in the afternoon going straight through late night um, I wish they would have done it on Friday as well, but you know I'm an Oriole fan, so Adley Rutschman had a pretty good day. So, oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, so far so good here in uh, Baltimore. Yeah, as a Red Sox fan, that wasn't the best start to the season, but I'm honestly I've lost a lot of hope in that team. I, I I'm not going to get too deep into uh, what's going on, what I think with that team. I just think the owners, the owners tried to. Uh, copyright the name Boston, which I think basically just shows how out of touch they are in terms of like just in general. Uh, so Brody, for you, did you have like, did you skip school or did you go to school and watch on your phone? Like, how was opening day for you? Luckily, I was on spring break and the Sox oh. played at night because they were the first ESPN game. So that was awesome to see them get the win. C's played awesome. It's a fun day. I liked watching the Yankees game, Judge hitting the bomb on his second pitch in his bat. Pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, Uncle Rich, how was opening day for you? Well, it was like any other working day for me. I mean, I walk up to um, Market Street every day in the shopping center. I work in a outdoor mall, so to speak. And uh, the lady, I said to the lady on Wednesday, oh, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. She goes, oh, no, you won't. I'm going to opening day. And it was on her day off. So I was very happy. <laughs> I've gone to a whole bunch of opening days. I used you know, back in the day. I had a friend of mine who passed on last year, and we used to trade. I used to take him to opening day, and then he'd take me to a game or two later in the year. You know, when I was working at Beckett, it was like the company basically shut down for opening day. You know, it was like, okay, this is not a working day. Some people will be here, but most of us now. <clears throat> and we would get literally a. Let me tell her. I'll call her back. Hey, I'll call. Welcome to real life TV. Uh, <laughs> and it was always a joy to go opening day. It's a bit of a beat down because everybody in Texas tailgates opening day for the Rangers. So you have to get there. You basically have to get there if it's a three o'clock game. I think it was three o'clock game today. You have to be there by noon to get any sort of a decent parking space. And so I kind of wish they had public a train that would, you know, a train to take me to the game. 
I wouldn't mind riding on a train for an hour to miss that. But opening day is a special day. And the Rangers won it. And game two is today. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to a couple of the people in the comments. We got uh, Ranger, Texas. Uh, we got Grove, Minnesota. I think that was uh, Mike. Chicago. I think Ranger, Texas might have been Mike Moynihan. What's up, Mike? We're on bench oh, clear for you. Mike, how we doing? Uh, we got Ventura, California, Oklahoma City. Uh, yeah, so we are maybe not necessarily global, but we're nationwide here at Hobby Hotline. I know all of us are kind of spread out all over the country, so that's always always a ton of fun. Um, make sure also, if you want to let us know in the comments who you are excited for to watch this upcoming season, I'm going to pull up some of the, um, some of the prospects that started this season in the majors Four of the five person with a April fool's name of something wrong. That's right. There is something wrong. The Yankees aren't going to go 162 and zero. (laughs) So we got uh, MLB pipeline four out of the top five prospects started the season in the majors. I know uh, Danny, you had a podcast with uh, John from, from this show and from sports card nation. Uh, you guys had a podcast, I think either last night or the night before kind of talking about some prospects. So like, was there anybody that you have your eye on coming up in this next season that you're excited to watch? Yeah. I mean, coming up this year, there's definitely some people I'm keeping an eye on. I mean, your list there I, before Volpe made the Yankees, I would have said Gunner um, and Jordan Walker uh, from people. I know with the diamondbacks organization, they think Corbin Carroll is the best prospect in baseball. So, you know, I, I respect their opinion. Now they work for the diamondbacks and so maybe they're biased, but um, all four of those guys, definitely. I, I have a fear of pitchers and catchers, so they need to make it through the season for me to to, to feel good about them. But if you you give me a, a hitter or middle infielder like Gunner or Anthony Volpe, and uh, I I can get pretty uh, much behind that. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what the new top 100 prospect list looks like in May. I'd say probably a player like Marcelo Meyer from the Red Sox, maybe a little bit biased there. He might obviously jump up a little bit just because four of the top five are going to be out. So we're going to have a new number one prospect. That's always exciting. I think Drew Jones is another name that people are really excited for. He's got a card He's coming up in this upcoming uh, yeah, <laughs> in this upcoming upcoming Bowman release. So Brody, I know you're out in Chicago. Are you a Cubs or a White Sox fan? I'm a Sox fan, so I'm super excited about Oscar Colas. Got a hit on his opening day, first at bat, so I'm excited for him. But I agree with Danny, Not no bias pick. I really do think Corbin Carroll is the real deal, and it's going to have a really, really good season. Volpe's an interesting one, too, because I love that he walked and got a stolen base. He looks like he's a really fast dude, so he should mm. be fun to watch. Yeah, especially starting on opening day for the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. got to have a ton of pressure. I mean, that's like probably the most famous position on the most famous team uh, in, in the league. So, like, you know, Volpe getting there and kind of playing well in the first couple games is definitely exciting. So, Rich, who is your – who's your alliance to for in terms of baseball players? And then also, like, well, are there I'm any players that you're interested in? So I hope Volpe does well, really well. I hope, you know – the pressure on him is to basically be the next Derek Jeter because shortstop was really not the primary position for the Yankees until Jeter came. We did have Hall of Famer Phil Rizzuto, but other than that, we really didn't have a lot of Hall of Famers playing shortstop for the Yankees. It wasn't the same type of position that the other other positions were. Uh, But I want to attack this from a little different way. One thing that's under the radar in these rookies starting the season is that I did not know this until I read this last week. You get a, if I think it's like if the player wins rookie of the year or is in the top two or three, you get an extra draft pick. And so it behooves you if you have a really good prospect and you think they're going to have a chance to do well in the league to bring them up and you get an extra high draft pick. Well, an extra high draft pick is found money. Yes, you have to spend it, but then you get player control for six years in the majors. So it's really good to bring up the players. And if they do well, you might get a feeder system of continually bringing up good players. 
I do think one thing that has kind of changed over the past few years is that teams are much more willing to bring up some of their young prospects and not like hold them back. Like I think mm-hmm. Vlad Guerrero was really the last big prospect. Cause I know there was like a huge controversy with, uh, with Chris Bryant where the Cubs weren't bringing him up. So that way that he'd have an extra year of eligibility. So, you know, I, I do, I do, think it's a good thing for the league that these players being brought up early you know we saw you know uh, Luis Robert for for your team Brody they just signed him to a huge contract they signed um I think Eloy Jimenez to a big contract uh Wander Franco he signed a big contract before you know, he got in so it's like Corbin Carroll another one yeah so like these players you know they're signing I'll be interested in sort of maybe five ten years see how these contracts kind of end up working out because it's a very interesting system. I don't necessarily like it, but I do like that we have seen a little bit of a change when it comes to when it comes to how teams are, you know, treating prospects and just like signing them because ultimately like bringing players into the league is going to be very important and if you can develop them in the league rather than holding them back and maybe creating a little bit of resentment, um I think that's the way to go. I mean, Mookie Betts just is another again, another Red Sox guy that uh for me unfortunately, he he went through arbitration every single year that he could. And then eventually we traded him and now we basically got nothing for him somehow either, but either way like that, it's just one example. I think of the the previous system not working and hopefully these players do end up panning out. The other big news that we had coming out of opening day, uh, which I believe top said was generational news. I'm not sure 100% if they came out and said, this was the news that was that, but uh MLB players making their debuts. They're going to be wearing these MLB patches, which are going to be turned into cards. Uh, we haven't gotten full full reports on what the card or what the uh, product is going to be. So, you know, this news is kind of in 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 um, unison with like Mint Collective that's going out, out going on out in Vegas. People are asking tops about this. So, Danny, I'll kick to you first. Uh, what do you think of these patches, and are you excited to see these patches on cards coming up in the future? I love the idea of the patches. From the size that I see on the screen and from what I saw on TV, it looks like the patch is made small enough to be a one-card patch, which I think is kind of the idea behind it. Is This is the first uniform designed to be a card as opposed to a card that had to figure out how to get a uniform in it. So mm. I think when you start from scratch, you know, the dimensions, the, the way it's going to sit in the card, you can you can almost see the points where they would attach it. So I think there was a lot of thought put into how this would incorporate. Um, I love the idea. I love, you know, imagine if we had this, you know, in years past and you had Hank Aaron or Jackie Robinson or, you know, whoever it was first debut patch. And not only that, I think you're going to start seeing bounties put on these. They're fantastic chase items. I think the players themselves are going to want them. And that that's always good to bring more players and more names into the hobby. And just to piggyback on what you were saying earlier, Adam, as far as the prospect list, um, a lot of the prospects, as far as card values, um, really react to those prospect lists. So whether or not you believe in them or you agree in them, when guys move up those lists, uh, the card value tends, tends to go with it. So now with the debut patch, we've kind of stamped that player uh, officially a major leaguer officially has made it. Um, and that that's a, that's a very cool thing to add. So Brody for you, what do you think about this patch? Like what are kind of your thoughts on this announcement that tops came out with? I agree with what Danny said. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I think it's a nice way that I think you can incorporate some lower end collectors and some higher end collectors into this, because if you do this, patch on like let's say a higher end product like tops dynasty or sterling something like that you can make like a one-on-one patch card with this whole thing or close to the whole thing but you could also do um, a recreation of it in a tops series two or update blaster box which i think would be really cool as well and when we get to tops update everybody that when you have the rookie debut cards you should see this patch on the rookie debut cards which i think is kind of cool too so, Rich, in in some of our group chats, I know you had uh, your thoughts on this that it may not have the the announcement. I guess that Tops was been has been kind of hyping up since their uh, since their conference may not have been as big of an announcement as maybe many people thought. Were you kind of in that boat? I mean, I know that yeah, I, I, I you've love, seen this. The concept before. is great. 
But to me, you know, generational is sort of like they did with Devin Book, you know, Michael Rubin did with Devin Booker, where he got him on the phone to talk to the young girl. That's generational. Let's get let's get more interactivity with the players. That's generational. This is cool. And I mean, this can be done for every sport. This can be done for football. This can be done for basketball. If Upper Deck wants to do this for hockey, go right ahead. So it's a cool concept, but what product do you put it in? And right. also, you know, we listed the top five prospects. There's about 200 players, give or take, that make a debut in an average major league season. Maybe 30 or 40 of them you'd really be interested in. <clears throat> what are you going to do with the other 170? A few of them might collect their cards. A few of them mom and dad might collect their cards. There's others that might show up just in the open market and nobody cares. And that's yeah. what I'm worried about, that there'll be some players that nobody will care about. If it's an, you know, a 27-year-old middle reliever for the Kansas City Royals making his major league debut, unless mom and dad or the player wants the card, or there's a dedicated Royal collector who's willing to pay the money, that card may just sit and sit and sit, and you really didn't get anything good out of it. And that's what my concern is. There's always people that aren't great. Hey, the Anthony Volpe card, oh, boy. People will, you know, people will chase that one. The, uh, the Diamondback prospect, oh, yeah, they'll chase that one. When Colas comes up to the majors, oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I talked about it in our group chat. Kim Mulkey, the coach of... LSU coaching in the NCAA women's finals tomorrow. Her son, Kramer Robertson, played for the Cardinals last year. It's a cool card. He played two games, had an at bat. You might have interest if you have a fan, but he's not, he's 27 years old making a major league debut. The odds are he's not going to be anything more than a 4A player at this point in his life. You really going to be able to sell that card? Well, is that any different than a Bowman first auto? And maybe they're creating a more premium line. Maybe, you know, this ends up being a national treasures or some, you know, some type of premium line that they're going to introduce. That was, that was one of my thoughts. Yeah. Well, I think they probably have to develop a product. Start. How about know, just, also has a player autograph? Right. Get the combo, yeah. get the combo, not just a patch, but everyone is signed to. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. And I think my help really increase the thing not just the patch but they're all gonna the player will sign an autograph for for that card yeah and i think my kind of initial thoughts on it were that i like the idea i do think that they may have to develop a new product because i almost think that this could be like a logo man i know the logo man too has gotten kind of watered down with it being in almost every panini product nowadays but like i almost think that they have to sort of try and come up with like and maybe this is just my, my own thoughts on it. Like I, I, I don't necessarily like off the top of my head, I can name probably four or five of Panini's higher end products. Like, you know, national treasures, flawless, immaculate, impeccable. I can name a couple of them with tops. You know, I, I don't know many of them off the top of my head. So, you know, I, I think that they're going to have to maybe develop something for it. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, it'll be interesting to see sort of where they, where they take it and how, like you said, if it's including in an autograph or if it's just a patch, like we, cause like I said, we don't know what product is going to come in yet. They haven't really announced that. So um, yeah, I think we had a question. Are these going to be one of ones for the first game or one of 162 for every game in the rookie season? I think they're probably just going to be one of ones. Cause yesterday, I don't think any of the players were wearing the patches. So I don't think that they'd be wearing them every single game. I think it's a one of one patch. I'm just going to highlight some of the other comments but, but, here. But it is for the debut. So if they make a debut right. later in the season, they would right. wear it for their debut if they when they got called up. Right. Yeah, and I think this is uh, – um, th this comment I think is too, like like I said, the one of ones being watered down, I think is kind of similar to like the Logo Man. Like I feel like the Logo Man used to be a, used to be a card that was like – super prestigious it was only in national treasures there was an only in one product so i guess it'll be interesting to see you know hopefully they can either develop a product or it's going to be in a higher end product i guess we will um 
I guess we'll see because we don't know yet. Um, let's see. So, uh, you know, does, uh, you know, we're going to move on to the next topic. Does anybody have any kind of last thoughts on, you know, Topps' release of this or opening day before we kind of move on to what we got coming up next? I would think opening it would day be really- should be a national holiday. <laughs> yes. And then Brody, Brody, go ahead. I would think it would be really cool if they did reprints and especially if they had this idea coming up, if they can put it in like tops update as a blaster box. And that's like, like a reprint for your blaster box. Cause you always get like some sort of like manufactured patch in a blaster box. If they could do this and like reprint all the rookies, I think that'd be kind of cool. I mean, none of them are going to be that valuable. Like Rich said, like they're not going to, not all of them are going to be super valuable, especially if it's a guy that doesn't do much, but I think it would be kind of cool instead of doing a, coin or whatever they've done in the past i also yeah i'll be sorry go ahead danny i was gonna say i just wonder if it seems like there's a lot of excitement for baseball i wonder if the world baseball classic kind of is a warm-up instead of spring training uh for six weeks you know it has people more excited yeah i i kind of hope that they expand upon this concept a little bit too this will be my last thoughts before we move on like i hope like maybe they'll be commemorate like commemorative patches i almost feel like are if they can can if they can use those in products i think that that could be a cool product and be important (laughs) for you know collectors i also want to give a shout out we've got somebody in mexico so like i was saying earlier maybe we are global uh, because um you know mexico uh, outside the united states obviously thank you thank you for joining the show today um and then baseball is slowly losing attendance and interest so creative is a positive. I, I I tend to agree with that. Uh, Rich, do you have one last thing? I had I do have one last thought. I just thought of this. This is debut patch. Are you going to issue them all in the season in the year that the players came up in the major leagues? Because you're not going to have every player as having a rookie card in their main, in in the season, right? So are you going to you know do something in like November or December where you get all the players? Are you going to scatter them? You know, I think the I think Danny hit on something, or if it's Brody hitting on something, the manufactured patches that you get one per blaster box. Could you imagine the run in the retail stores and the hobby stores if it gets open to the hobby, where you randomly inserted those cards into those boxes? As the season went on, you randomly insert those cards, and they're the same, you know, points as the. Uh, regular cards as long as they're not redemptions yeah. <laughs> right yeah that's i think that's that's gonna be important i i, I do think i do hope that the product I, ho- I hope that the cards will be inside a product so it gives people the opportunity to get them without having to buy them uh because i think when you do something like that you sort of alienate a group of people who maybe had the opportunity to get the card and maybe don't and you know like it, it, like like we were talking about the volpe one you know that one's probably going to sell for i don't know what it'll sell for on it maybe in the six figures seven figure maybe not seven figures but maybe in the six figure range potentially depending on where he goes throughout his career but like if you're selling that card if you're tops and you're selling it directly there's a chance that you you you, you know you're like I said, alienating and not giving people an opportunity to, to buy it, unfortunately, because the price is just a little bit too high. Um, so now we're actually going to move on to a topic that was um, we will see how this ends up going, because I know that a lot of people had a lot of different opinions on this um, Beckett. There was a image that was leaked from the Mint Collective that had a Beckett 10 label with all beat with all nine five grades. Um, I feel like I'm having deja vu because I feel like this happened before where they had some image leak of their booth at like the National or something or I don't remember. Yeah, it was something like it was the new label or something, and they had to come out with a yeah. statement. I, I, who, whoever works, whoever is working in marketing at Beckett needs to figure out how to not get these things leaked. To be completely honest, because like you know, this is this is pretty big news for them. Um, I'm gonna bring up their tweet, and we're gonna watch the the video of them explaining it, and then we're gonna kind of get into our thoughts on the topic. Let's see. Hi everybody, this is Scott Rock. Can you hear it? Can you guys hear the video? Hi, everybody. This is Scott Roskin. I'm the chief visionary officer. You guys can hear the video. I wanted to clear the air. Yeah. Uh, on okay, I can't, but you know, it's fine. Was circulating yes. yesterday on social. So I want to be very clear in what we're doing. We are, in fact, changing our grading scale slightly. We are not changing our standards at all. 
Those remain the same. We are changing our scale in a slight way, and I'll describe it right now. Our pristine cards, we have two, as you know, a black label and a gold label. They will remain exactly as they are today. Nothing is changing. What we are doing is we are creating a gem mint 10, something that the industry has embraced. Our gem mint 10 will, will start with a subgrades of 110 and three nine and a halfs. I want to tell you that we spent months and months and months talking to all sorts of hobby participants, going through this, and believe that this is the best thing for the hobby, to create a standard that everybody will understand when new participants can come in and recognize and compare things from an apples to apples comparison. So we're really excited about it. Stay tuned. We're going to put out some visuals, I think, that will really help you understand exactly what we're doing. Um, and we're excited about it. So the Gemmin 10 is here. Um, look forward to uh, having you check out some of our, our other content very shortly. Thanks. All right. So I could not hear the video there. So I have no idea what he said. Um, but we will move on here to what it looks like is their new grading scale. Um, so, I mean, I think the, I guess the big change here is that it used to be the average. Now you can get a BGS 10 with three nine fives, which I think in the past you had to have at least two or three, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I'll start with Danny here. Like, um, what are kind of your initial thoughts on Beckett changing their grading scale? Like, does it, does it really affect the hobby as much as maybe we think it does? Well, I think the first reaction is always going to be panic to change. Um, so without a doubt that, that that's something to consider. Um, as far as unifying with the rest of the market, I think in the long term, that's going to help them out. Whether it was their first priority, um, I think is what a lot of people are questioning. Um, there, there are things, um, their, their technology online, the slab size, the, themselves that I would have liked to see them maybe attack uh, sooner uh, turnaround times prices. I think they should have subgrade standard on all their cards. Um, as far as this, I'm curious. I'm more curious to see what the what the rest of the story is. Are they going to allow you to send in everything at no charge? Um, you know what happens. You know when there's a discrepancy and you resubmit something, um, and and you want to get a different grade, or if you crack and resubmit. So there's just a lot of tentacles to this. I do think in a year or so that it will be a non-story, though. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kick it over to Brody here. So, you know, for you, you know, um, I guess, you know, you're a little bit younger than us. So when it comes to grading, are you somebody that's really picky about when it comes to grading? Or like from your perspective, maybe as like a younger collector, like, is that something that really, you know, are you driven to go with BGS or PSA in either, either direction, I guess? No, not really. I've only graded four cards before and they were all to Beckett. And the main thing that I look at this just from the cards that I graded is that I bring up a question and I'm just curious. I remember the one Mike Trout that I graded, it had two tens, one nine five, and one nine. So that's the thing is there's no nines on here, but there was two tens. So where does that fall, I guess, is the thing that I ask. My understanding has always been that you're not going to get a grade higher than a half point above your lowest grade. So that that's my understanding is this new system will not apply to nines at all, that that as far as the gem mint 10, that's got to have all nine fives or higher. Okay. So if I resubmitted that with the two tens and nine, five and nine, would it be a nine five or would it be lower? It would be a nine five. If they, if they, if you, if they just regraded it the same way as my understanding. Okay. Yeah. I guess it kind of gets to the conversation of just grading in general. And like, is it, is it, I, I guess it, yes, it is necessary, but it's like, if we're just changing the way things are 
grading like i know one of the things i forget exactly who posted it but i think it was somebody on instagram was saying like you know in 2020 2021 everybody was mad at beckett for not changing anything and now in 2023 beckett's changing something and now everyone's still mad i I guess maybe it's not necessarily that they change something and people are mad i think it's more that like it seems like they're changing something that didn't need to be changed um so you know rich from your perspective like over the years have you noticed, like, what, what have been your kind of thoughts on Beckett throughout the years? Like, have you really, you know, has it, has Beckett changed that much? Like, or is it more just well, maybe the, 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 alone, uh, the grading has def the grading department. This is definitely a big change. <clears throat> a couple of things, and I know this has been talked about on Dr. Beckett's uh, podcast, so this is nothing secretive. It wasn't an average, it was an algorithm when it came to the grades on the card. And like, I think centering and corners were more important than edges or surface or something like that. But it was an algorithm. And also the grade could not be more than one grade. It wasn't a half grade, but it was one grade. Uh, if, you, if your lowest grade was an eight and everything else, let's say it was 9.5, your card would be a nine your guard could very well be a nine. It, it didn't have, to, depending on if it was the edges or if it was centering, it could either be an 8.5 or a nine, but you could get a nine with three 9.5s and an eight. The questions I have is that if 9.5 was a traditional gem mint grading back in the day, you resubmit the card, but you can only get a 10 if it has a 10, uh, you know, as Danny would say, are you going to pay for the resubmit? Is Beckett going to charge you for the resubmit? You know, if the grading, if the grading nomenclature is a little, the grading numbering is a little bit different, what are you going to do? And I think that's where some people are frustrated. If I have an old Beckett card that has four 9.5, it's probably a 10 in today's system. You know, so well, we're dealing with higher end cards, but I think the other issue is, and, S- and CSG went through this, but because they didn't have 25 years of history, they only had a year or two of history, the blowback was not going to be as much. They didn't have quite the same volume of cards graded for 25 years. Right. And I was yeah, just yeah, going to yeah. say, I'm sorry, Adam. Rich, oh, no, you, know, you can speak to this probably better than anybody. For years... The, the Beckett 9.5 was considered almost equal to the PSA 10, if not equal. Um, and, and so I just think that that's something to be considered for a lot of the traditionalists. I think that's why some some people are getting, are getting a little rankled over it. Right. And, and, there, and nowadays, too, on top of it, you might have a 9.5 Beckett card. But remember, they are now doing cards with or without subgrades. What are you going to do with the 9.5 you have that doesn't have a subgrade on it? great point yeah right and i just wanted to highlight a couple comments here so um said why not just break the numerical grades out into two decimal points Eh, i mean i get i I understand like because i mean um csg does that where they have you know 9.3s and 9.8s um it's not necessarily i think something that beckett has done in the past at all so I mean, I think if they were to do that, that might be a little bit, that would probably be a little bit more dramatic to be completely honest. Um, and then John obviously coming in, they, uh, they, uh, they need to get the hobby, start talking about them in a non-negative way. Yeah. I, I think, and maybe this is just my opinion. Like I think Beckett, I think SGC. And I, I know sometimes when we talk about SGC on this, on this program not everyone is super uh in the comments is super enthused but i think sgc has done a little bit more in my opinion to be the top be in the conversation for a top three grader than beckett has really done to stay in the conversation i also think that when you are grading with certain companies you pretty much know what you're getting like you know with psa you're getting if you get a high grade you're going to get top dollar for that card if you're grading with sgc you're probably going to get it a little bit faster uh with bgs i mean it's kind of you know i guess maybe you don't know what you're getting with that one but 
Um, I'm going to highlight a couple other comments here. Uh, my friend of the show, Mike Summer said, I think standardizing with the rest of the grading industry is a good move. That being said, this whole announcement was a big yawn. Yeah. And then he also said, I don't know why people are getting bent out of shape. That's true. I mean, I, I don't know why half the people get <laughs> bent out of shape, honestly, on social media and on a lot of stuff that happens. I mean, people, I think people are getting a little bit bent out of shape over the tops announcement. And it's like, that's, that's something that I think is really cool. So it's like, you know, I think it's just, that's just social media in general, to be honest. Um, and then Steve, Steve, uh, shout out to Brody here. He met Brody at the national. He's a hobby legend. Uh, John, it's uh tonight is John Cena night, which is, I mean, hopefully, uh, or John Cena's hopefully, night. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm from the era where I think he was, he was like, and I, I think if you're a wrestling fan, you probably hate hearing stuff like this, but he was basically my generation's like Hulk Hogan, like the rock. Like I understand that he might've gotten maybe heat, but, but either way, like I said, sorry, this isn't, huh, this isn't a wrestling show, but, um, you know, it's always fun to bring kind of some of those conversations in here. Um, vintage card collector said this change does nothing to encourage people to sub to them. It'll push people to stay away. And yeah, I think in general, Beckett is like, I feel like they're more of like an RPA type of grader, like where PSA and SGC and maybe even CGC are more, eh, base card heavy um you know danny from your perspective like do you do you look at certain graders a certain way like do you view bgs versus psa in certain lights when it comes to cards like maybe not that you're getting graded but just kind of in general i definitely like i said i'm from the generation where beckett carried you know weight equal to if not greater than psa and i i still think as a hobby you know the the black label bgs is probably un unmatched. Um, that being said, the, the secondary market is, is speaks volumes, you know, more than what anybody else thinks. And PSA just dominates on the secondary market. Uh, Beckett should be making subgrade standard on all their cards at no upcharge. Um, and that's a big thing to me. Um, I do think with modern high-end cards, uh, the secondary value is a lot closer. And, and that's, you know, like you said, you know, more of the patch cards, more of the RPAs, you'll see a lot of those uh, in Beckett slabs. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I, I personally just don't like the, the size of the slab bothers me in itself far more than the grading system did. This, this to me was just not their top priority. There's other things that they need to work on. Yeah, and then also in the comments, I know people have kind of been talking about it, but let us know, like, if you think this is, was this a W, was this a win, or was it a loss for Beckett? I mean, I think yeah, so far I've seen it's been maybe a loss. Maybe some people are even, they don't really care one way or the other. Um, you know, we'll we'll kind of get into our last, uh, last thoughts on this. I mean, I think we pretty much covered a lot of, I think, what, you know, with this change. Like, I, I think actually what we've been saying is kind of the, the point that I think actually, I think it's, almost a no a non-story like i don't think it's i don't know it's just it's not something that moves the needle necessarily for me i'm not a huge beckett guy anyways but uh you know brody what are your kind of final thoughts on this topic yeah i think it is a little kind of like eh, but i think like when i talk i'm just using my card as an example because i know it would be a nine five when we talked about it the one thing that is interesting is if they do come out and say that they will regrade cards for no charge since i have two tens do i want it to say mint plus but be the new version or do i want it to be the old version but it still says gem mint i don't know that's i guess that's a future thought but i know I have, I, have, I, have one more. I have a couple things to say one beckett had a room at the last dallas card show and for most of the show the line to submit cards to them was out the door so, I mean, at least in Dallas, they're still very popular. It'll be very interesting because I believe PSA is coming in as well for the May show at the Dallas Card Show. You have PSA and Beckett at the same time. That will be very interesting to see what the difference in crowd size is going to be. You know, so I, I and I also want to point out there was a comment about does Beckett up, up you know, upscale for uh, upcharge for better condition cards. As far as I know, they've never done that. You pay your money with your grade is your grade. And there's no up there's no upcharge for a 10 versus an eight. And since we're talking about announcements, and since I am a ComC employee, 
and it's official. I might as well get the plug-in that we are debuting the long-anticipated, it's a beta version, app at the Mint Collective. I, I don't, I do not use apps. So I am the wrong person. I am the least techie person to ever work for a tech company. So you have to understand that. So I want to hear from other people what they think of the app, not me. <laughs> I think by the time we see Rich, then he's going to have three cell phones and uh, apps on all of them and uh, run, running everything uh, off of that. I think it's great. I think it's a long time coming. Congratulations to ComC. Okay. And as a ComC user, definitely appreciate it. Yeah, when he'll, uh, Rich will be like one of the, when Pokemon Go was popular, he'll be like driving around on like a bike with all the phones, like clicking all, trying to catch all the like Pokemon on all the bikes with his, with like 10 different phones. There are, I, I go for a walk most mornings at Willow Bend Mall. Willow Bend Mall is a huge place for Pokemon Go. And there's a group of like five guys between 60 and 80, actually 81, <laughs> who have their phones out and they are, uh, and they're chasing Pokemon Go. And they showed it to me. They're, they're actually chasing. There are still people chasing Pokemon Go. And they're senior citizens or older people, people my age or older. It's exciting to see. Got to catch them all. <laughs> it, it really was like, it was amazing. You know, I, I know it was like a meme or something, but like, I think people said like, because uh, it was Michelle Obama did all those campaigns to try and get people to go outside. And all it took was a, uh, a 3d app where you try and catch uh, fake animals and that's what got everybody outside i thought that was you know that's kind of an old old timey meme there but like uh yeah when i when i lived in boston actually the starbucks that was right next to my apartment was like a you know if anybody's played the pokemon go game it's a gym so it's like anytime you went out there'd be 10 people outside and they'd be out there when the game first came out they were out there until like four o'clock in the morning playing the game it was really it was really wild to be completely honest but yeah so shout out to com c i mean that's uh, super exciting news. So we're actually going to try something a little bit different here. Uh, we've got this week, we had some quarterback news and here is, we are actually going to pull this up here. Um, and this is just basically where we're going to start. So here we go. All right, so Lamar Jackson news that came out this week. Boom. Talk about production there. So he announced that he requested a trade as early as March. Um, you know, I'll kick it to you first, Danny, being a Baltimore guy. Um, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like, let me, let me, let me know sort of uh, your thoughts on this. Um, so being from Baltimore, doing sports radio in Baltimore, uh, this is – 24 seven, every station to what's being talked about. Um, the problem is Lamar's mother is his representation. Um, contact goes through her. Uh, everybody I've talked to says she's an extremely difficult person to deal with, to get a hold of, to get response from. Um, and they are relying on a lot of advisors that they're picking as a family that are not um, the union and the players union has reached out to them to try to provide support. And my understanding is they've actually turned that down, um, which which is interesting. So at this point, um, you know, you can't guarantee, you know, 50 percent of your salary cap to a player. And I think there's some stat that anybody who's ever guaranteed more than I think it's 27 percent uh, to one player uh, has, has never won a Super Bowl. So, you know, you, you got to be careful with the salary cap sport, making sure you don't have a quarterback and nobody else on the field. So at this point, I think the best solution uh, would be a trade. Everybody can part ways. The Ravens can recoup something. Um, and, you know, to, to be fair, part of his injuries is we've had a rotating offensive line a little bit um, more, more than his running style. A lot of his injuries have actually been in the pocket. But at this point, yeah, I, I think everybody's ready to part ways and move, move forward. Yeah, and try, trust me, when you're talking about percentages, like that is like literally something that, like Belichick, who is I'm a Patriots fan. Uh, sorry, everybody, but uh, that's like literally something that like people within the Belichick camp are like obsessed with, like cap percentages for players. So like, 
you know, we've been dealing with, we, we've been dealing with that in Boston media for like forever. So um, I'll kick to you, Rich. Like, you know, is it, is this something that, you know, is it, does this news move the needle for you or, you know, are you kind of just, yeah, where are you in terms of like uh, football cards and quarterbacks, I guess. He'll be fine. One of the things is though, when you talk about percents, Tom Brady had so much money coming in from other sources he did not need to be a higher percentage. It was like when Michael Jordan was the player in the NBA. And I think we all agree he was the player in the NBA for a decade. He was underpaid, but he could be underpaid because his other endorsements were making him so much money that it was irrelevant. He could have played for a dollar and you know what? He still would have been the most compensated player in the NBA. You know, if if Lamar Jackson was having enough con, you know, enough endorsements where he was making more money, then he doesn't have to have the Deshaun Watson type guaranteed contract. Which, and and, and that I think really messes up everything because once you pay Deshaun Watson with all his legal issues to guaranteed money, where's mine? And right, I'm, and, and it, I'm the, the MVP, you know. Well, right. and one exactly. of the things is agents usually work in a company that represents you from marketing, you know, not just your contract. And so not having that firm behind you, you know, he's missing out on marketing opportunities. And Rich is exactly correct. If he was supplementing, you know, his income, far, and he should be far more as an MVP and a Heisman Trophy winner, he should be in national commercials much more than he is. Right. Yeah, and and so um, before we move on to the next quarterback news that we got this week, Brody, uh, what do you think, Lamar Jackson? Is that somebody? Is that a guy that you follow? And you know, I know for you, uh, they they traded the Bears traded the number one pick, so that's obviously great news for uh, Justin Fields. And I have to come out, I have to uh, shout out the Bears for doing probably the best job at tanking I've ever seen in the NFL. Like somehow they were able to be a popular team and everyone loved them, but somehow they still got the number one pick. It really was remarkable in my opinion. Like it was remarkable. So like for you, like Lamar Jackson, kind of what are your thoughts on that? First of all, shout out to Lovey Smith for winning the game for the Texans. <laughs> we got that number one pick so we could trade it uh, and get DJ Moore, which I'm excited about. But yeah, exactly. I think this just sets up for the draft. I mean, obviously we're in April now, so it's going to be a, tra- a trade that happens during the draft or right before the draft. So be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And I just want to give a quick shout out to a couple of people in the comments here. We got Steve, uh, who, you know, Bruins, Bruins, our, our Bruins, our uh, President's Trophy winners yet again. Hopefully we don't uh, crash in the playoffs like we did last time. Uh, we won the President's Trophy or lose in game seven at home like we did. Uh, I'll never forget that because I, I, I bought a box of Series 2 uh, tops and opened it in game seven and then proceeded to watch them lose. That's still a little bit angry about that clearly. And then uh, uh, Brendan who comes into my chat uh, sometimes said, why is it customary for Pats fans to preemptively apologize? It's more just, you know, I I think maybe the, the, the the Patriots uh, we were just, we're, you know what I'll say? We were the best. So that's that's why I think I apologize sometimes because we were so good that every, you know, I, I they actually ruined the NFL for me, to be completely honest, because now I just, if a team isn't winning the, the Super Bowl, it's a failure for me. Like, But for most teams, it's like they're just trying to make the playoffs. Uh, we're going to actually kick it back over to the wheel to cover the – the last two, uh, last two piece. Hopefully, we can, we can get some Brock Purdy. Brock, Brock Purdy in here. He had two pieces of news. Uh oh, and Ooh, Brock Purdy. Okay, so let me pull up uh, the first piece of news for Brock Purdy was that. Uh, the uh, GM of the 49ers, John Lynch, came out and said that he thinks Brock Purdy has shown has has earned the right to start as quarterback. Um, and then the other piece of news, which we can kind of work on work in tandem with these two, is that uh, Panini announced that the first product, the first RPA, the first official RPA for Brock Purdy is going to be coming in National Treasures. So I'll kick it to Rich first here. Uh, when it comes to young quarterbacks, you know, is, is that something that you're into or, you know, are you staying as far away from young quarterbacks as you can? Well, I, I think it depends on price points like anything else. But I, I will say it was brought up with a very interesting point about, the you know, when you brought up the percent of salary for any player, 
you sign those rookie quarterbacks to those four or five year contracts, you 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 have that window where they're not taking a large percent of the team's salary cap. So you, in a sense, if if you've got a good quarterback as a rookie or a second year player, you've got a few years to develop a great player, and then you then you can make a decision: Do you want to give them Patrick Mahomes money, Aaron Rodgers money? Deshaun Watson money, what Lamar Jackson wants money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or do you want to say, this isn't this guy is not going to be the one. Let me see if I can find a different guy to, to sign to develop. So I think it's a smart move. And on the card level, it's a it's a worthwhile risk to buy those cards because quarterbacks are where it's at. And I think they will always be where it's at in football. So yeah, I think with Brock Purdy, too, it's very interesting. I don't know if this is necessarily – because it wasn't the coach coming out and saying this, right? It was the GM. So it's like I don't know if this is just trying to pump up you know, his stock. If they can flip Brock Purdy or flip Trey Lance into some other high draft pick or w- whatever they're trying to do here, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they're – if they make a move or, you know, what, what we got for the draft. I mean, Brody, for you, you know, obviously we talked about Bears trading the number one pick. So, like, what are you looking forward to when it comes to this upcoming draft? Maybe for the Bears, maybe just, you know, for cards in general. Yeah, well, I think with the National Treasures, that's a big thing for breakers. And that National Treasures box probably went up $400, $500 when that announcement came out because that's huge for Purdy's cards. But the thing is here, too, is with the draft coming up, this could save one of those top 10 teams from needing to draft a quarterback if their guy that they wanted was Bryce Young. I'm just going to throw a name out there. And Bryce Young got picked before them. They might be like, well, we don't want, want to just take a guy so we have a quarterback. Here's a Trey Lance who's now going to be backing up. So the 49ers – don't need them anymore. They could just go trade for them, trade down. They could do whatever they want. And I think that Trey Lance might be a good investment right now because when he played, he was pretty good. So, and yeah, I mean, Purdy, it's a big deal for Purdy. Big, big deal. Yeah. And then I'll actually, I mean, I guess we can talk about the Ritter, the Ritter news as well, just because it's kind of in tandem, I guess, with, you know, the Baltimore news uh, for you, Danny. So, you know, Ritter was just announced that he is going to be the starter in Atlanta uh, or Arthur Smith, the coach announced he's going to be a starter in Atlanta. So like another young quarterback, I guess that's kind of getting back into the news a little bit. Um, I think people really like Desmond Ritter. I mean, I don't know if they like him because, it's a way for people to sell spots and breaks or if it's, you know, people actually really like him, or if they're just trying to sell his cards, you know? So for, for you, it was, was Ritter someone that was maybe on your radar for like a replacement for uh, Lamar Jackson, or is that just kind of, is he just kind of another, another guy that maybe is going to be in the league for a couple of years? I think he's what you say when you don't want to tell people you want to trade for Lamar Jackson. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't believe Desmond Ritter. I don't believe the Colts quarterbacks are long-term answers. Um, you know, the Patriots, you know, you know, better than me, but you know, there's a lot of teams, um, that I think are are posturing a little bit that, that would take Lamar Jackson over their current quarterback, um, in a second for the right deal. Um, and I don't believe that Desmond Ritter is better than Lamar Jackson. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if there's a trade, you might need a quarterback coming back to fill in for a year or two. Uh, but I, I wouldn't plan if I'm the Falcons and I haven't had a solid quarterback, you know, at all, except for Matt Ryan um, in my history, I, I, I might, uh, might consider uh, making the trade. And I don't know that I'd count on Desmond Ritter. He's not, never really been on my radar as a serious starter. Okay. Well, a, a couple of things. One, Steve Barkowski might disagree about being a Falcons quarterback. Fair, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> second, John Lynch is a pro football hall of famer. I, I do try, you know, even if he's saying it for whatever reason, he's still a pro football. He's got that legitimacy to say something like that, where a lot of executives just say things to say something. Lynch played the game. He also he also played minor league baseball. There's a really cool 92 upper deck minor league card of John Lynch, his very first card. I mean, so we have that too. So he's got a baseball element. So you got to like him. Yeah, I think it, it is cool. It, it, you know, it is cool to see young players. I think 
one thing that sports cards has definitely taught me has been like to just enjoy games maybe a little bit more like for baseball specifically like I feel like I know a lot of the prospects and I I enjoy watching the games more like just kind of in general and again I, I'm, I'm not meaning to apologize to everyone here but it, maybe it's because the you know Boston sports have won a billion championships in my lifetime um I don't know if that's the case but at, at the same time like I think I root for the young players because the young players are sort of what is driving the hobby a little bit, Um, whether that's good or whether that's bad. I think, you know, you could argue one way or the other, if that should be the case. Um, But I think whenever you see like Brock Purdy or you see like a Desmond Ritter and they're kind of getting, you know, the next, you know, they're the next ones up, I guess you could call it that. Um, I think also it unfortunately maybe hurts like Trey Lance because like, so many, you know, that, that draft, I think if you were going to look back on it, maybe, and it may not be as good as maybe people thought it was, you know, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, um, may not be the guys that everyone thought it was, thought they were. Um, so, but I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, it is a little bit too early to tell. Uh, I think we are actually coming up on the hour mark here. So I want to make sure we get kind of all of our, um, all of our goodbyes here. And Danny, I actually want to kick it to you really quickly. And I want you to talk about hobby news daily. Cause that's something that, you know, a lot of the people on hobby hotline um, actually work on as well. So, you know, I want to make sure kick it to you, give you a couple minutes here, uh, let the audience know sort of what it is and what, what we're all working on for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. And it happens to be three contributors on the screen right now uh, with me. So, um, hobby news daily we call it the homepage of the hobby uh, click on read some great articles in fact uh, rich klein uh, has a article c- kicking off this morning and uh, we have a daily podcast uh, so you can get a little bit of information uh, when you wake up in the morning with your cup of coffee and we have links to some of the best content creators podcast um, and one of my favorite things is we've got some very cool gem rate data that you're not going to necessarily see um, everywhere else. And uh, some of that was just posted this morning. So if you want to see uh, some gem rate on Hall of Fame rookies, uh, that, that's, that's a cool one to check out. Um, but the elevator pitch is it, the homepage for the hobby and, and great writing, all original writing. And if you love the hobby, it, it's going to be a good time. Definitely. And so, you know, Rich, Brody, you guys – are both going to be writers. I'm doing the podcast. I mean, it's kind of a, it's, it's definitely a group group effort coming up and we, you know, it's all of it's launching. So, you know, if, if, if you guys have some shout outs you want to give out, um, Rich, I'll start with you. I think we're actually going to kind of wrap things up here. So like, these will be kind of our final thoughts. So Rich, do you have any final thoughts on the, on the episode and uh, kind of all that stuff we, uh, and let, let everybody know sort of what you got going on, I guess, too. Well, I, I just have my normal comp C work going on and about, two months of Memorial Day weekend. I do have my now much smaller Adat Havarim uh, show that I've run for the Brotherhood for the last eight years, which is many times why my office has cards in it. Uh, but, we, you know, we've gone from a 45-table show to a 20-table show, and I, that's an upcoming article in the Hobby News Daily about, why, you know, the new building. It's a beautiful new building, but why we do it. And it's it's now just instead of a three-ring surf circuit, circus it's now in an you know enjoyable afternoon to look frankly at nine quarter 50 cent in dollar boxes and a few better cards and i i don't have to change the world anymore with that show i can sort of just lose control we make a few dollars we have some fun it's much more relaxed and i enjoy it more on that level and i've enjoyed being on today it's been fun we had a lot of good topics we didn't even get to our final two topics yeah. Tells you how many topics we have. And I love the idea of basically hobby hotline being once a week for the most part. With the we're keeping in our hip pocket, you know, if something really big breaks in the hobby, we'll do an emergency webcast. When Rich Klein is using the app, we'll break in. When Rich Klein is using the <laughs> app, we'll do an emergency. Right. So uh Brody, I'll kick to you for some final thoughts on today's episode. Yeah, my Hobby News Daily article should be up soon, and I'm excited for it. And I'll be posting about WrestleMania, and on Monday <laughs> I'll be opening some wrestling cards in the Daily Rip. So hope Seth Rollins wins, or else I'm going to be mad. <laughs> uh, Danny, do you have any other, other, other final thoughts? 
I just want to say honored to be on with you guys. Uh, th this is so much fun uh, when I get to be on. And, and this and thanks to everybody in the chat room. This was one of the most fun episodes I've had. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, 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 uh, like Rich said, we had two other topics that we didn't even get to. I mean, there's so many, it's just always, uh, always a ton of stuff going on in the hobby. Um, that will be basically it for this episode. Um, I also want to give a shout out to, so I'm going to be going live on my YouTube channel after this. If, if you are still interested in hearing, uh, hearing me speak, if you're not sick of hearing me after this, um, after the hour show that we did. So, uh, like I said, thank you everybody. Thank you all for joining. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Uh, we were global today. We had you know people in Mexico, people all across the United States. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you all. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you go check out the YouTube page at Heroes for Sale. That's where a lot of these episodes are coming from. Make sure you go over there and hit subscribe if you want to see what I'm talking about on these podcast episodes before this episode releases.